0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Working Title with Keyshawn Rains. This is your host. Today's episode features a wonderful, heartfelt, intentional conversation with a woman who literally bears the name Joy. <laughs> Today's guest is Ms. Chioma Joy. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist who specializes, in my opinion, in healing people's relationships from the inside out. I had the pleasure of meeting her last year at a Black Lesbian United retreat in Malibu, California, and she was one of the first faces I saw when I stepped onto the land and one of the last faces right before I left. What was beautiful about my interactions with her is that she has a way of bringing you all the way back to yourself and that is a very grounding and powerful energy and so necessary when it comes to healing relationships so before i tell you any more about how amazing she is i want to let you find out for yourself sit back get comfortable Relax into a couple of long, deep, cleansing breaths and get ready for another conversation. How are you? It's been so long How It have you has been? I've been well. I can't wait to actually catch up with you I so. know I know it's um it, yeah it's it feels like. When I got back here in springtime, like March, that like the last like the last couple of months, I'd say the last 90 days have just been full of different activity and, you know, life changing child graduated from high school, getting ready for college, just a lot of stuff has been going on. And so um, I haven't really sat down to catch up with anyone in a while. And a friend of mine, even from from LA, texted me today and was like, I'm going to be on a train for six hours. We need to catch up. And I'm like, I know, I know. I just have to do this and that first. And time has a way of getting ahead of us, uh, I notice. And, you know, I was just thinking the other day, like, we're already in the seventh month of this year. and Isn't it wild? It's crazy. It's literally crazy that we have five months left and we're going to be in an entirely new decade. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but what have you been up to? How have you been? Uh, I've been well, uh, growing the practice and
1: um, connecting with other healers in Seattle. Mm. And so um, working on some projects, by coastal projects um, and, uh, you know, uh, celebrating and loving on people, which is always fun. Um, and building relationships and and such. So I think between uh, traveling in partnership, traveling for business and growing a business, I've been
0: also running for the last 90 days. Yes. Uh- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to know I'm not alone, but, um, but yeah, well, thank you for creating the time to be a part of this. Um, this is my, one of my passion projects, of course, is doing the podcast. and. What I decided to do a little differently this year was to include some new guests, uh, featured guests, some who I know personally and have, you know, a rapport with. And then others are people that I, you know, just followed on social media and felt impacted by things that they shared and said, hey, let me ask Mm -hmm. if they want to be a part of it. And so far, everyone has said yes, which I'm super grateful for. So we are going to dive into what I hope will feel like a very natural conversation. And I invite you to take up as much or as little space as you'd like. I'm going to throw some questions or some prompts out for you and feel free to, to speak freely. This is a safe space. It's a, it's a comfortable space. Um, and eventually someone will listen to it, but I want it to, to feel as, as comfortable and casual as possible. Um, I never really took on this role of like an interviewer but for some reason it seems to kind of naturally be coming out which is okay because the conversations when I go back and listen to them when it's time to edit sound fantastic and everyone just has some amazing things to say so I'm grateful for for the time and we are going to start with um I'm going to give you the floor or the Mike, so to speak, and just give you a chance to introduce yourself to the listeners, tell us a little bit about who you are, what you stand for, and what you're most passionate about right now.
1: Well, thank you so much for, one, um, asking for me to be here, and I'm, I'm really grateful for this opportunity mm-hmm. to hang out with you and mm-hmm. the people who follow your, your mission um, and vision in life, and so... I want to say gratitudes first and foremost to you. Mm,
0: Thank you. Thank you. So
1: my name is Chioma Joy Atakaye Petwe. And um, I am a guide, I think, more than anything else. Um, I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I'm the founder of Achieving Joy and Achieving Light. Um, Achieving Joy being a mental health boutique where we really just help people live the life and love they desire. And Achieving Light is like the sister nonprofit company who wants to kind of bridge the gap between um, healers and, and spaces where true healing can happen um, to those who may not have access mm. uh, in, to healing in the same way that when they can afford when they have more financial means mm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and so yeah, so that is is me what i 'm passionate about right now is mm. is really love and joy, mm. and this radical nature of being able to heal and manifest um, from us and surrender even. Mm to in and to love in and to joy mm-hmm. um I've been doing a lot of work and a lot of study and and just sitting with people and in all of these different spaces and places, the absence of love mm. seems to be the like the bottom mm. of where the trauma begins
0: mm-hmm.
1: um. And it's also the antidote to get out of it. Right. And the difficulties that sometimes arises when we don't have the models of love Mm -hmm. through visual representation and how when we do have the opportunity to be able to build and grow in that, Mm -hmm. how many people who are just on the periphery of that gets to also grow and experience and be impacted by true love, Mm. um, love of self, love of family, love of the, you know, of partner, um, and ultimately the love of community. So Mm. that is absolutely what I am passionate about right now. I love
0: that. I love that. What is true love in your eyes, in your definition? How would you define that?
1: Great question. Mm. Uh, True love, as I would define that is more I think of a feeling that you can in like feel inside of oneself mm-hmm. um, it is the absence of fear mm-hmm. honestly right mm-hmm. and and so if I'm not moving in fear, I am then moving in love, mm-hmm. and then what that looks like is is choosing love
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh in my words in my actions which then by default means choosing vulnerability and choosing kindness um, and choosing courage Uh, but true love to me is is being bold and when given the option to run um, in a place of fear uh, exchanging that with being present in a place of
0: love Mm. i like that i like that do you think that we as, you know, people, as, as adults, have the capacity to really express unconditional love for one another? Yes. Okay. Okay. And what is th- that? Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Continue. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> but I think that
1: that also, because we have the substance of true love within us, it is that which creates the all, the everything mm-hmm. that exists, that is alive, then we have the capacity to be in that and and present that.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah. I I think the human condition, though, is one that is cultivated so that we can learn how to choose love in scenarios where fear seems like the easier way.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I agree. And I think some also love is love and the expression of love. Like, what does it look like in the, I guess, the visible sense is different for everyone. And I think that depending on, you know, the way that a person was groomed or programmed or raised uh, and the expressions of love that they were exposed to even if those expressions of quote unquote love were really still coming from a place of fear, but it was verbalized as love can create um, a sense of confusion, you know, as you grow and you become an adult and you start to explore even as a young adult, but when you start to explore romantic love outside of self and this idea of seeking that unconditional love that you may have experienced or may never have experienced. And um, I was just watching this, the series on Netflix uh, called uh, Tales of the City. And it was, you know, based on a novel and it's like this queer, um, this queer project. And it was pretty interesting, kind of funny, kind of dramatic, but one of the themes of it was um, identifying family and being able to identify how one fits into their family of origin who may have not expressed unconditional love for them and go out into adults and create chosen family who do express unconditional love for them. And even though they never experienced it necessarily as a child, they're able to identify it when it's expressed to them as an adult. So I thought that was kind of interesting. And that's why I asked this question of like, can it truly be unconditional? And um, I think that question comes up for me a lot whenever I'm thinking about romantic relationships, which you, I consider to be an expert of sorts on because your experience in the the services that you provide and the support you provide seems to be rooted in helping others be able to navigate in a healthy and intentional way through romantic relationships. And my question for you is what are some of the biggest challenges that come across your table when you're, when you're working with people in this particular area?
1: Absolutely. Uh, and you kind of already shed a little light on it. Uh, who we were groomed to be mm-hmm. the, the way that we autopilot our lives, if you will, mm-hmm. our rule book was all established Based on our caregivers' downloads, right mm-hmm. observing whomever our caregivers were grandparents, mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, um teachers, everything from zero infancy and probably even in the womb, what we were able to listen to, the way we engaged, how the you know how it felt to be inside of this safe space mm-hmm. um and all the way through to the age of about seven, we learned how to be in the world, how to navigate our world, right? Mm -hmm. So it is the human condition because, you know, we all come in potentially as a blank slate, but then we get a set of rules how to navigate our own environment and so then we go into the world looking to see if the world navigates life the way that we were taught
0: mm.
1: and because everyone has a different set of rules of engagement and we aren't gifted the opportunity to learn how to communicate mm-hmm. these different rules of engagement uh and you know and we are you know sadly especially here in the United States, often raised in a fear-based culture. Mm -hmm. So love equals fear, Mm -hmm. equals trying to protect us from something that is seemingly scary. Mm -hmm. That anything other than my degree of chaos, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: as calm or not calm as that might be, is what I'm used to and anything other than that is now stranger danger because that's what we're taught. Right. And so in a sense of being in stranger danger, we now also feel like we need to self-protect. And then that looks like the fight flight or freak that um, many people talk often about. Mm -hmm. And that shows up repetitively in all relationships, but even more so in side of love relationships because we want we want to be uh, connected mm-hmm. um, but we're uncomfortable with being vulnerable and we may ha- didn't come from families or educational backgrounds that promoted communication and so we are left without the skill set to bridge ourselves our ourselves and our desires to the person who we want to be connected to
0: Mm, that's I appreciate you for bringing that up and for drawing just awareness to that connection between vulnerability and connection the two being able to build a genuine connection with another person especially in a romantic relationship or a love relationship it can't in my opinion it can't happen authentically it can't flourish if it's not coming from a place of vulnerability and I think that vulnerability is sometimes the most difficult thing for people to fully stand in and embrace as a necessary piece of love relationships and often do everything possible to be able to kind of get around that and I, I you also mentioned something about um a, a sense of chaos and what I was what came up for me was this idea of a person who has gotten to a place in their life and their adult life and chaotic love is the only kind of love that they know from the the caregivers that provided you know them with care as children love them in a chaotic sense and then they begin to go out and explore relationships and they end up in these chaotic relationships and then sometime in their life they come in contact with a peaceful type of love, a love that's lacking in chaos. Do you think that a person can switch gears, you know, and be able to actually embrace a love that's not chaotic, if that's all that they've known? The
1: quick answer is yes, because Mm. we as individuals have the capacity to to change Mm. um, and grow because we're always changing and growing. Mm. What, Is required inside of that though Mm -hmm. is a restructuring of one's belief about what love looks like and feels like. Mm -hmm. Because I'm not going to translate your actions of not responding when I am exacerbated, for example, Mm -hmm. with extreme calmness. And because I might then think of that as being as you being indifferent. Right. Right. And so. Then your indifference hurts me. Mm-hmm. This is all my perception, though, because, you know, most of the time we're interacting with ourselves and our perspective about everything else. Right. Our partners are just kind of mirrors to you know
0: our own mind. Right. Essentially. Right. That's mm. so. That's so real. That's so real. And and I the reason I ask that is that you know that's been that's been my experience. You know, I, you know, grew up in a very what I would consider to be chaotic household and environment. And while I had caregivers, many aunts, uncles, parents, you know, godparents, et cetera, um, it was still a space of chaos. And even though it never felt like it was a space that was absent of love, once I was old enough and removed from it, I look back on it now, like, holy shit, that was a shit show. How did you, you know, how was there possibly love there? And then as I entered into adult relationships, um, I started to notice that what one on the outside, so to speak, might be considered chaotic. I had normalized because it was like, oh, it's everybody yells at their partner, don't they? Everybody gets Mm -hmm. like everybody gets loud. It's people fight sometimes, even physically. Like I had completely normalized it and it wasn't until Mm -hmm. going through some. Processes working with you know other people going through healing processes and etc. Getting to a place where I was able to recognize the chaos. So then, when I was confronted in a way, or I guess more introduced to a peaceful kind of love, I found myself and still sometimes find myself um resisting it, be looking mm. for the chaos, you know, looking for okay, I know my partner's going to say something someday. That's going to, I know one day they're going to come in the door and they're going to wild out. I know what's coming. And that feeling of kind of like waiting for the other shoe to drop coming from that place of being groomed to appreciate and expect a chaotic love. So the idea that a peaceful love could even exist is still something that I'm coming to a place of agreement with, you know, to change that belief system that I've had for the majority of my life. You know, Mm -hmm. and so I'm like, I'm about nine, nine months into a new, what I consider to be a new romantic relationship. And my partner and I have known each other for over a decade as friends and became involved um, last year. And all the while I can see them just offering just love and peace and gratitude and joy and comfort. And I'm like, "Mm, I don't know about all that. Why is it so calm? How can we're not fine? Mm-hmm. You know, and and sometimes feeling mm-hmm. myself almost subconsciously like starting shit about Absolutely. something really insignificant, like water on the counter after using the sink or something like that. So, yeah, I call it low hanging fruit. Low hanging fruit. Okay, okay. So, if a person like myself who might be listening to this is looking for like some of the first steps to to start to change that story, to change that belief system where could they even begin?
1: Within themselves, honestly. Mm. It's, the, it's the first starting place. Mm-hmm. Write out the narrative. What do you believe love is and what does it look like? Mm. And, you know, as an adult, my favorite thing is to do self-exploration on myself and then go visit my hometown. <sighs> go visit some family members because you're gonna get all the answers that you need quick, quick. Mm. And you'd be like, oh, this is why. This is why I do that. <laughs> oh, that's why I respond this way. Mm-hmm. It's, so, it's so crystal clear, yeah. especially when you get away from home. Yeah. And so, you know, and it's, it's definitely harder when you're still in it because you're still functioning underneath the same rules of engagement. But even, you know, taking a sabbatical, go away for a month, Go stay with a friend if you can, Mm -hmm. you know, if that's an option. Um, If you you do still live right underneath your family's um, thumbprint, get away from it um, so that you can go back into it and really reassess the whys and reassess the feelings, too. Because every time something happens, it's rooted in something, Mm -hmm. So as soon as you feel some type of way about something and recognize that I'm really angry right now, mm-hmm. I'm frustrated, or I feel hurt, or I feel unseen, and, and that feels tight in my chest or tight in my shoulders, or my stomach is doing these flip-flops, mm-hmm. or it smells a certain way, rather than taking all of the life memories and, and your pre-recorded responses mm-hmm. to these different scenarios, go and sit with yourself and figure out when was the first time I felt that way.
0: Mm.
1: And what is that about again?
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, You know, when I work with people, we talk about soul contracts sometimes and we make soul contracts very, very young. My first one, my first memory of my first soul contract was at three years old.
0: Mm.
1: And I didn't get to work through that soul contract until I was maybe 28, 29 years old. Mm -hmm. But yet from three to 29 was actively functioning underneath this soul contract that my three year old self decided to come up with. Wow, wow. And, and so does many of us. Mm-hmm. And so getting to understand what are these contracts that we've made um, or what was the root of some of these feelings and thoughts is definitely the first place um, in this process of of being able to retell our narrative in a
0: different type of way. Yeah. Time for a break. Time for a breather. One thing that we often forget to do as we move throughout our lives throughout our day is to breathe. So I invite you right now to allow three deep intentional breaths to enter and exit your body and by the time you're done we will be ready to continue thank you so much for listening would you share a little more about what a soul contract is what that looks like what it means sure a soul contract um
1: who I believe Mama Queen was the first one to tell me about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was right in alignment with much of my studies um, around trauma um, and the impact of trauma uh, on, on love and, and self-esteem, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. A soul contract is uh, when we make an agreement with ourselves. You remember I, earlier on, I was talking about how we're gifted these rules of engagement Mm -hmm. and from zero to seven, we don't know nothing to say we don't want it. Right. So we just receive it rarely with questions, just this is the way it is. Mm -hmm. And inside of these experiences, we make some decisions of, I don't like that.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And so generally a soul contract probably starts out like, ain't nobody ever gonna, Mm fill in the blank. Got it. I will not ever tolerate fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. it is that very kind of angry. My life will not look like Mm. something. And whatever those statements are, then we put some actions around it. Okay. So then we start to not go here or not do this thing or not stand up for ourselves or all kinds of things to be able to perceivably ensure that whatever I said, I wasn't going to ever deal with or be victimized to or fall trapped to Mm -hmm. will not happen, whatever that looks like.
0: Mm -hmm. So it serves as almost a protective barrier or um, almost like a restriction in, in a way that we put in place as a as as a tool to to make certain that we don't experience pain it kind of sounds like a little bit especially if like you said under the age of 7 you know with the exception of you know i don't like that color or i'm not hungry or you know simple things as far as like what we don't Mm -hmm. want or what we want to happen there is a limitation to how much our wants will even be heard or understood or accepted so to start to develop those soul contracts internally it's almost like agreements with ourselves where we say like you said i this happened and i didn't like that and i couldn't stop it from happening so what i'm gonna do is make sure that it never happens again even if I don't even have a clear understanding of what it is that I'm avoiding by putting this contract in place, that I might mm-hmm. potentially be avoiding something that I do want to experience, but because anything that resembles this thing, I'm going to avoid. I'm going to shut out. And mm-hmm. that's interesting because I, I can relate to that, you know, as as a kid growing up with a father who was an addict and, you know, anything that um, and very, you know, aggressive, assertive personality. Um, there were certain elements of his personality that I made a contract, made a sole contract an agreement with myself when I was very young that I was never going to become those things, that I was never going to, you know, communicate the way he did or, you know, think the way he did and would avoid people who even, you know, resembled him in any kind of way. And it wasn't until I was an adult And, you know, having relationships, you know, having romantic relationships and having, you know, partners and girlfriends, et cetera, and boyfriends saying certain things like, you sound just like your dad. And it would drive Mm -hmm. me crazy whenever I heard that because I felt like, wait a minute, I (laughs) thought I was doing Mm -hmm. everything I could to avoid becoming this, to avoid experiencing this. And then it turns out that it was showing up. To
1: slam yourself right in it because this is what we don't understand, those soul contracts then translate into Mm. having to be tested and become and be tested and become Mm. these same things over and over and over again until we can fill those spaces with love and joy Mm. and peace. Yeah. So whether if we become it Mm. or we attract the situation that makes that thing a very loud experience in our life, over and over and over again and it gets louder and louder and louder and louder yeah until we have to address it at its root mm. and redecide what type of life are we saying we want what kind of love are we saying we want what type of worthiness are we saying we're worthy to receive
0: mm. that's real that's very powerful and and I think that I think anybody who, who sits with themselves and really asks themselves the question of, you know, what are my soul contracts? What do they look like? How many do I have? What have it, you know, what have I been running from? What have I actually, what have I actually been attracting? Because I think a lot of times when I think of romantic relationships and I think of the challenges that people have and the, you know, love versus romance, and there's so many books and novels and videos and, you know, tools that people go out there seeking to find like the secrets, you know, to having the, mm-hmm. the best and, you know, quote unquote, perfect romantic relationship. Um, when people come to you for support with, I guess, a troubled romantic relationship, do you find that there is typically one, if it's a, you know, a, a just a, a two part, you know, two partner relationship, do you find that there's typically one person who is, I guess, completely aware of their soul contracts and another who is not in some partnerships?
1: The quick answer is no. Mm. Because we blindly enter into relationships it, as we are designed to fall in love with people who can help us work through our troubled, uh, troubled youth, if you will, Mm -hmm, our mm -hmm. troubled relationships Mm -hmm. with our parents, the soul contracts that we make, we fall deeply in love with the people who have the capacity to hurt us the most, Mm. because they're reflective of the areas that we need to grow in.
0: Wow. Yeah, (laughs) that's so real. Oh, my goodness. That's so real. It's 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 a trip to me because sometimes I think about you know how people the the phrase uh you know opposites attract and
1: you know mm-hmm. my partner's
0: nothing like me but yet we have so much in common but then I've noticed in my experience the more that I get to know someone and the more that you know I and the other person communicate from a place of courageous vulnerability the more. Like you said, similarities that I discover, and then also I discover, oh, I'm here to support you in this, and you're here to support me in that, and Correct. and being able to identify that, and instead of you know coming from a place of, oh no, she's fucked up, so I'm wrong with her, you know, kind of thing, mm-hmm. versus like, no, maybe we're both a little sore in this particular area. Maybe this is a tender area for both of us. So coming from a place of um, compassion. I think is something that I've started to really understand and embrace when it comes to relationships, not even just romantic relationships, but, you know, family, siblings, et cetera, is, is really coming from this place of, I know that if I have, you know, hurt, trauma, pain, et cetera, I guarantee you probably do too. So being able to just sit with someone and to be able to, you know, really see another person in that vulnerable, you know, place is, um, is something that I've started to, to embrace and, and started to, to act on in a, in a way. And it's actually really made a difference when it comes to communicating. It's been a huge, huge difference. Um, a question that comes up for me also is, um, I have, friends and community members and other, you know, people that are exploring different types of romantic relationships and including polyamorous relationships and non-monogamous relationships in spaces like that. Do you find that maintaining a sense of romance is equal in non-monogamous relationships as it is in monogamous relationships?
1: Ask me the question again in a different type of way.
0: Okay. Let me think about that. (laughs) Do you think that romance is equally present in monogamous and non-monogamous relationships?
1: I think all relationships are quite different. Mm. Um, Meaning the relationship that you have with one singular person is quite different than the relationship you will have with any other person. Mm. And so it's people specific. Mm -hmm. Um, I have seen polyamorous relationships that is full of much romance. Mm. I have seen polyamorous relationships absent of romance for various reasons Mm -hmm. because the tie inside of it is something else Mm -hmm. the connection is something else and romance isn't the predominant um, presentation Mm -hmm. but it doesn't negate the relationship okay i have seen monogamous relationships lack tremendous romance Mm -hmm. and i've seen monogamous relationship be full of it for decades and decades and decades yeah
0: yeah. Yeah, I I agree. I, I think that's, I think that's true as well, especially I know friends and, you know, people who are in non-monogamous relationships. And like you said, the, I guess the, the center point of the relationship is not necessarily romance between all parties. Um, it may be companionship, it may be parenting, you know, different, right. different reasons why people come together. And um, something else that I, that comes to me a lot is the idea of no matter what type of romantic relationship a person is engaged in is being able to maintain a sense of individuality and freedom within those relationships. And um, what I see in some, some folks that I know is (laughs) when they get into a romantic relationship, that the relationship becomes the thing that they are now defined by instead of continuing to be their individual selves in situations like that what do you think is the the cause or the catalyst for someone losing their identity in a relationship or losing their individuality I should say in a relationship okay Mm -hmm. Uh
1: I would argue that they're not losing their sense of identity and relationship, but they're exploring what it means to be in relationship with someone else
0: Mm.
1: more than what separation looks like. Okay. We are naturally desiring to be interconnected with each other. Mm. The two things that we are ultimately striving for is love and joy. Mm -hmm separateness is actually the absence of love too it is actually something that lives inside of the state of fear and ego mm.
0: okay i like that <laughs> that makes that I lo, no i love that i love that's such a great response i love that it's yeah <laughs> remembering and staying connected to the The reality, the truth, that we're all seeking love and joy, and one way that that shows up for us is through the interpersonal and interconnected relationships that we develop with other people, and um, sure. and able to see ourselves in them, and, and them in and us, and and likewise. So, wow. Okay, I have to sh- shift gears because I feel like I could talk to you for hours, um, but. Um, The next thing I like to do is I have a couple of, um, I guess, prompts or sentence prompts. And I want to invite you to finish the phrase. So starting with, um, if I could teach the world a lesson, it would be.
1: That if we seek love and joy as our first mind, we will make manifest the life that we want.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Seeking it as our first mind. I like that. Okay. Next one is I am happiest when? When I'm climbing trees. Oh.
1: Riding horses. (laughs) (laughs) um, And being interconnected through touch with people who I care the most about.
0: Mm. I want my legacy to be
1: one of extreme joy and extreme love. Mm. And, and that being the place where uh, families grow in and grow from. Mm. And it, it, is, it becomes like the catalyst of change for the community. I'm an African-American, especially for the African-American community that our response to all that pains us is to go and get the love that we want, love in career, love in each other, love in the spaces that we create, love in the nature that we we traverse in, and the joy in the same things: the joy in our careers, the joy in our relationships, the joy in our connectedness, the joy in the dance, the joy in the singing, that that becomes what we run hard and fast towards
0: yeah yeah I know I've made an impact when
1: when people's lives are reflective of what they said that they wanted when they first arrived in my chair Mm. yeah
0: yeah and sometimes do you notice that that takes longer for them to realize than it does for you no. Okay. Uh, I, I think that
1: I help remind them mm, because mm-hmm. I'm the keeper of what you said you wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, part of my medicine name and my given name, which was spiritually gifted to me prior to my birth, all was to be the keeper of, you know, your hopes, your dreams and And for my prayers to be wrapped over that,, mm. and so what that looks like, if prayers are thoughts, right, mm-hmm. then that means that I sit and I think of where you want to be because that is what you said you wanted, mm. and so then that means my prayers is wrapped around where you said you're going, and so every time we sit together we are we are churning our way to the place that you said you wanted. Mm. And then one day you will tell me today, I did these things and I will remind you when we first started this journey, you said there will be a day that you would do these things.
0: And now they're here and now and it's now happening. they are here yeah. and
1: it's happening. Yeah. And you are well,
0: absolutely. What does freedom mean to you? Freedom
1: is envisioning the life that you want and allowing the universe to orchestrate it for you and then being in peace when it arrives and not looking for something else to be problematic to fix.
0: Mm. Yes. Yes. I love that. So I have a last a last couple things that I like to wrap uh, each episode out with... Um, Two more questions. One is, how did you show your self-love today?
1: Oh, I did a lot of pouting today. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But let me see. Mm -hmm. Self-love today looked like, I said I did a lot of pouting because I, I said yes to working on Thursdays, and I generally do not work on Thursdays, mm. um, and so I worked on the Thursday. So sometimes that means I pout through Thursday. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I did give myself a chai today, okay? Because I love a chai. And I sat and I Facetime one of my favorite people today mm. and we laughed and we joked and we were silly, so silly. Um, and so that that's, I'm still beaming off of that conversation that we just had right before um, this conversation with you. And
0: so I, that's how I gave myself love today. I love that. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. What is your power word? A word that when you hear it, it ignites a sense of power within you. my joy. Mm. Yeah. I love that. So the last thing that I like to share at the end of each episode is um a message from an oracle deck that I like to use. It's called the Oracle of E, and it's mm-hmm. a deck of 52. So what I would like from you is just to select a number between 1 and 52. 25 25 all right okay the message is live in large you are drifting in an ocean of gold doubloons as always it's your call you can dive in you can backstroke all the way to istanbul or you can stay in the piddly little raft you've been rowing but it's all there rich and luxurious as ever Waiting for your nod. Jump in. The good life is already yours. Mm-hmm. I Ashe. Yeah. Well, I am just, uh, I'm over here taking notes as, as, you, as you're sharing. I'm <laughs> over here taking notes because, um, and I already know when this episode airs that it's going to be one of those where people are going to say, Who is she and how do I find her? When can I talk to her? How do I get an appointment? Where should I go? So (laughs) before we wrap out, I would like you to share a little bit of how people can connect with you um, and uh, and the best way for people to be able to learn more about what you provide and the services you provide and the organizations that you've created.
1: Absolutely. Um, So you can find me at www.achievingjoy.com. Again, that's AchievingJoy.com. We are on uh, Facebook and Instagram at Achieving Joy Now. Um, you can email me um, at AchievingJoyNow at gmail.com. We have many other emails too, so you can find all of those on the website. Um, hopefully, by the time um, this airs, AchievingLight.com will also be up. <laughs> Um so that's how you can find our nonprofit leg and
0: see the nonprofit work that we are also doing. Um, yeah. Oh, that's lovely. Lovely. Well, yes, I will be sure to include the ways for people to reach you in um in the podcast notes as well, but uh yeah, before we go, mm-hmm. I just want to say again, I'm so grateful <laughs> the day that you and I met at Blue last year and um, you were literally one of the first faces I saw when I arrived on the land. And I came there uh, with a sense of heaviness around this idea of romantic love and how I had built mm-hmm. a wall around myself to avoid it at any at any cost. And I was sleeping in sacred space and I think that where I had laid down, there was a bracelet that had fallen onto the floor just beside me. And you gently woke me and asked if I would <laughs> if I was a bracelet and I handed it to you and then the weekend progressed and then you were one of the last people that I spoke to before we left the land and I just felt an immediate connection to you and was just grateful for the conversation that we had and just for your your light and your and your joy that literally radiates from you and I'm just excited to be able to witness the work that you're doing and to know that everything that you're creating right now is opening up a space for true healing around, around love. (laughs) And a lot of us need that and need people like you to, to walk in this work and to do this work with so much intention. And Mm -hmm. I'm just grateful for it. So thank you so much for sharing just a, a flicker of your light with us today. I appreciate you so much.
1: Uh, I'm thankful. I'm so thankful. I'm so
0: thankful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, my dear. Well, enjoy your evening. You and I will be in touch soon because we need to Thank sit you. down and have some chai together. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. So, enjoy your evening. Thank you again so much. You're welcome. Okay. All right. Peace. Bye bye. You have a choice of hundreds of podcasts, and I appreciate you for choosing this one. Please take a moment to subscribe, share, and review this podcast. If you like what you've heard, check out my first book, Because I Said So, Simple Ways to Rewrite Your Story, available on Amazon. Stay connected on social media. Find me at Keyshawn Rains. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to something different and experience something new. Peace and blessings. Namaste.